0: Hallelujah. God is great. I said God is great. Did you hear me? I said God is great. And if indeed he is, he's greatly to be praised. I said it before, I say it again. The psalmist said in 150, let Everything that hath breath. So if you're not breathing today, you're excused. But if you're drawing breath into your lungs, amen, you're commanded to praise Him. Amen, amen, amen. And we don't praise Him because we have to. Amen. 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 I praise Him because I want to. Because I love Him. Hallelujah. It's always good to be in Palmer Pentecostal Church. Uh, Certainly feel at home here. And uh, count it especially on the first Sunday of a new year I mean usually a pastor stands and casts his vision and it's a very special Sunday to him so I count it double honor to be here today Amen uh, Is it Brother Scott in the sound room? Brother Scott <laughs> he came to me and he said, I kind of forgot the scripture you gave me. Well, I gave him the wrong scripture. <laughs> so we're in the same boat, bro. <laughs> Amen. But I want to turn your attention to the book of John. And Another reason I love preaching here is that other churches I go to preach at, they just give me a glass of water. John 15, looking at verse 18. What's the first word? If. It's really one of the biggest words in the Bible. If the world hate you, okay, ye know ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If, there it is again, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But, because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, there's a good chance, maybe, no, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying... They will keep yours also. So I want to speak to you for a couple hours here. I mean a couple minutes on this subject. Sheep among wolves. Amen. Can you put your Bibles down? Lift your hands to heaven and let's, let's just praise Him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. You said it would not return unto you void. Be with us now, Lord. Touch our hearts. Touch our hearts today. Let us leave here changed for your glory and honor. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The three verses I have read here in John 15... They they bring discord to our ears amidst the sweet, sweet music of the preceding verses. When you read the preceding verses, the previous verses, it's very obvious the theme has been centered around love. The love of the Lord's, the Lord's friends, our love toward One another. And then that love magnified, reaching unto Jesus Christ. And that love, which is one, no matter if it's reaching to Him in our worship and praise, or if it's spread out on the level of earth. It is all, everybody say all, it is all the result of that unity of life between the vine and the branches. The previous verses, Jesus makes it very clear as to our position in the big picture. Jesus said, I am the vine. Jesus said that, I am the vine, and you, that's you, that's me, we are the branches, and the life that we have coming from the vine, that is our life, I said that is our life. We cannot be separated from that life. Our life comes from the vine. And as I said, outside of the vine, there is no life. The Apostle Paul said, in him, in him, not around him, not about, but in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. Amen. Never forget, Palmer, your life. This first Sunday of 52 Sundays, should God tarry. Let me remind you, your life. I'm talking about your spiritual life now. Your life is dependent upon staying in the vine. And the enemy's purpose is to block that life not to let that life flow from the vine to us. And if he does that, friends, uh, we wither and we die. But that beautiful unity of life between us and the Lord, that beautiful, beautiful life, it does have an opposite picture. It does have another side to the coin other than to the one that we've been reading about in the first few verses of this chapter. These precious principles that bind us to him. Jesus said, "By this shall all men know you're my disciples." By how beautiful you sing, but how boisterous your worship is. No, the only thing he said that others would know were his disciples is, by our love one to another. Friend, if you're sitting here today and you have odd against a brother, I'm telling you, you are outside the vine. Amen. I said you're outside the vine. If ever we needed one another, friend, uh, it is today. Amen. If ever we needed, uh, amen, one another, it's 2024. I'm telling you, things are not going to get better. Things in this world are going to get worse. Follow the pattern. (laughs) Amen. I'm not telling you anything new. But yet this society tells us, oh, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting better by taking prayer out of schools. We're getting better by ignoring the Word of God and the house of God. No, my friends, we only get better by having fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. thank you so those precious principles that bind us to him that bind us to each other friend it separates us from a host of people it separates us amen i said it separates us uh, amen from people who do not share and they don't want to share in his life uh, And thus, we have the hate of our text. The hate of our text that casts a dim shadow over the lovely picture. And thus, the resulting two communities, the church and the world. The church and the world. And the antagonism between the two is deep, it's fundamental, and it's ongoing. Jesus said His church would never, never, never be like the world. I said Jesus said His church, His people would be a pure people would be a spotless people, would be a holy people. Hallelujah. Oh, if there's anything I'm striving for in 2024 is to be more holy, to be more like him. Oh, Jesus, uh, I want to be more like you. Uh, I don't want to be like this world. Uh, I don't want to be contaminated by the things of this world. Uh, I want to draw closer and closer and closer to you, oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel God in the house. Now, John 15. At that point, The Lord's beginning his earthly ministry. And he looks at these men, these men who were to become pillars in his church. And he doesn't mince any words, he doesn't put it in small writing or just whisper it. He tells them, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And if we trust biblical history and tradition, every one of them, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death. But be that as it may, here in John 15, the Lord is laying down a universal statement of the way it's going to be down through the ages. And friends, there's no more reason For restricting the force of these words to those that were listening to him over 2,000 years ago, than to us today and you uh, that are hearing this word coming across uh, this pulpit, it has been, it will always be. The world will be antagonistic to the church uh, until Jesus comes. There will never be any compatibility. between his church and the world. There will never be uh, sitting down at a peace table uh, and discussing things uh, different between the world uh, and his church. Hallelujah. Amen. You better make up your mind today. Uh, Amen. I'm going to live in the church. Uh, Amen. This world is going to pass away, uh, and everything in it uh, is going to pass away uh, but what I've got a hold of in the church uh, is eternal. Uh, it's going to last forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. So you would ask what makes this hostility so inevitable? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. I said I feel the Holy Ghost when Pastor Herring invited me to preach. Uh, Amen. The first Sunday in January, it looked like I was going to be leaving before, but then it turned around that I was going to be here, and God has been dealing with my heart. Hallelujah. God has been dealing with my heart for this message uh, for Palmer Pentecostal Church, uh, Amen. I'm glad for the revival you're having. I'm glad for the freedom of the Spirit in your services. Uh, But oh, I've got to warn you today. Hallelujah. Church, I've got to warn you today. Uh, We cannot be like the world. Uh, We cannot do it like the world. Uh, I said we cannot do it like the world. Uh, We are unique in every way. And so, what makes this hostility inevitable? The Lord here prepares his hearers for what is coming by putting it in a hypothesis. And I've already referred to it. Notice the times he uses the word if. So he points to two things which make this hostility inevitable. And the first is, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. He goes on to say, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. If you were of the world, the world would love you. Amen. But ye are not of the world. Hallelujah. But because ye are not of the world. Did you hear it? Because ye are not of the world. Later in writing his epistle, 1 John 2, 15 and 16, John would say, love not the world. Amen. Friends, here in John 15, years later, John's an old man. Amen. And he writes, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... The pride of life uh, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Oh, hallelujah. Ye are not of the world. Ye are not of the world. And the devil is not stupid. He's not ignorant. Uh, Amen. Nikita Khrushchev said years ago, We will bury the United States uh, not from the outside with weapons, uh, but we will bury the United States from within. Amen. And the devil is coming, uh, and he's saying, hey, if I can get a door in the church, uh, if I can get them thinking a little bit uh, how I think, uh, if I can get this carnal mind in them, uh, I will destroy the church. Uh, Palmer Pentecostal Church uh, We have got to have the mind of Christ. Uh, Let this mind be in you. uh, That was in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Back to John 15. But I have chosen you out of the world. hear people say oh I'm so glad I found the Lord and we, we understand but technically friend the Lord wasn't lost we were lost in sin and shame And think of it out of the billions of people in the world today here we are he, he chose you I've told you, bears repeating, when I was in grammar school, and we'd uh, have recess, we'd run out, the guys would run out, we'd get in a straight line along a wall there, and usually the best two athletes in the class, they'd grab a bat, and they'd throw it to one, his hand to go there and then get to the top. He had the first choice. And, of course, he chose who he thought was the best athlete in the class. And then the other guy, well, okay. And, and so it went back and forth. And we had this one kid. He He must have had skin of iron. He was always the last one left. And kids can be so cruel. The one captain said, well, you can have him. And the other captain said, no, that's okay. You take him. And finally, the one that took him put him out in right field, you know. And hope and pray he didn't come to bat in the bottom of the inning. And you're down a run and you got a runner on third base. Oh friend, I was the last one left standing, and he didn't say, "You take him." You know, Jesus chose me. I said, "Jesus chose me." Jesus told, chose you, and he chose you out of the world. Woo! He didn't leave you in the world. He took you out of the world. And you left all the junk. What happened when Constantine became emperor and he made Christianity the religion of his empire? Well, everybody to gain favor with the emperor said, Oh, I'll become a Christian. But in doing that, they Brought a lot of junk with them. Friend, Constantine didn't call us. The Lord Jesus Christ called us. And he said, I want you to leave all the junk out there. You're not going to bring it in my church. Woo! Yeah, my house is a house of prayer. My house is holy. My house has righteousness, peace, and joy amen you didn't have that out there and you can't bring what's out there in here and have peace and joy because I've chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you Very language carries with it the implication of necessary and continual antagonism. So, what does the Lord mean by the world? The word world. Another word he could have used would be society. For the most part, men and women of this society do not share in the love and the life that flows from Jesus Christ. That's their common goal. In a nutshell, they want nothing to do with Jesus Christ and to those that have been drawn out of the world. Now, If we indeed share the Lord's life. Then I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination. That in some measure we're going to share in his fate. Mm. It's not the typical example of what the world thinks of and does to righteousness. And all who have the spirit of life, yea, all who live godly in Christ Jesus, does it say might, they shall suffer persecution. Jesus went on and said, hey, the servant isn't greater than the master. And if they have persecuted and hated the master, they're going to persecute and hate his followers. It's a typical example of what the world thinks of and does to righteousness. And all who have the spirit of life that comes from Jesus Christ, they will in some measure, to the measure that they get this now, to the measure that they possess that life, they come under the same influences which eventually carried him to a cross. In a world like we're living in, it's impossible for a person to love righteousness, to hate iniquity, and live according to biblical principles without stepping on somebody's toes. The way you live on a daily basis brings a strong rebuke to the opposite course of conduct. We don't just live this way on Sunday. We don't just live this way on Wednesday. We live this way every day of our life. And as the old song says, uh, I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. There's nobody holding a gun to my head uh, this is how I choose to live. That doesn't light your fire, your woods wet. Hallelujah, that should put a spring in your step. Woo! Hallelujah! Then the Lord touches another but closely connected cause when he speaks of his choosing the apostles and taking them out of the world for the world's hatred again. Two groups, two sides, and the fundamental principles that underlie each of them. They are in deadly opposition to each other. I said they're in deadly opposition to each other. And in the measure, I said it a few minutes ago, in the measure in which you and I serve the Lord, brings us in direct opposition to all the ideals that uphold the world system. In other words, the closer you get to the Lord, the stronger the opposition is going to be. I said the closer you get to the light, It's going to reveal things that you're going to drop off and the world. The Bible said because of his dreams, his brethren hated Joseph. They hated him. And friends, because of our biblical dreams and aspirations, this world hates you. hear me, what we believe to be precious, society regards to be of no account, what we believe to be fundamental truth, uh, amen, repentance, uh, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, uh, amen, the world scoffs at it uh, as of little importance, uh, you don't have to do that. Uh, yes, I do. The Word of God commands me to be baptized. What we feel to be wrong, the world, society regards it as right. Uh, The world and the church stand on opposite sides of our thoughts about God, our thoughts about self, our thoughts about duty, our thoughts about life and about death, our thoughts about the future, and I could go on and on and on. But hear me, there is a great gulf fixed between the church and the world. The devil says, if I can just begin to get the world into the church. Then there are other causes trying to disguise this hostility. You see, over the years, the world has gotten just enough of the traits of Christianity. Since the days that Jesus spoke these words, why do so many people refer to the United States as a Christian nation? Simply because some of the issues and the teachings of Jesus Christ have slowly seeped into the conscience and ethics of our land. And because of that, men and women outside of the church to a large extent have a a common code of morality as long as it's kept on the surface. And so we and they, we not only do many things alike, but they are done for the most part by the same motives. Thus the gulf is somewhat bridged. Over in the hostility. Hostility takes another form. No, we don't wrap Christians and dip them in tar, hang them on crosses, and put a torch to them to light the emperor's gardens, at least not in our country. But the same thing can be done in a number of different ways. What about our liberal press? I said, what about our liberal press? What about that laugh of scorn? Almost a celebration over the failures of any prominent person who has stood out boldly on the Lord's side. It all indicates what lies just below the surface. Many a man, many a woman trying to live a godly life, working at a daily job, Many a student on our college campuses, uh, by experience, by experience, have to find out there is a great gulf fixed between them and the person sitting next to them. Quickly comes to the realization they can't be faithful to the Lord, they can't be faithful to the church, uh, and at the same time be a close friend. Uh, Of someone who does not hold uh, to your tenets uh, and your beliefs. I have nothing against. I am not here to grind an axe against Christian denominations. Should God tarry till this March, I'll be 79 years old. Yeah. I know I don't look it. My daughter says I certainly don't act it. Pastor, I remember in my lifetime, denominations had very distinct guidelines. Methodists, Presbyterian, Baptists, whatever. They had very distinct guidelines. But we're living in a day when so many of those guidelines have been taken away. When so many have said, hey, we believe in the same Lord. We believe in the same Jesus, and so they've done away with certain tenets that made them what they were, amen, and slowly but surely, uh, that word compromise uh, has taken over in so many lives and in so many churches, Uh, amen, godly churches. Now, I'm going to get very plain here, but godly churches of the past, uh, that preached and spoke out against homosexuality and lesbianism. They've got Sunday school teachers uh, in their classrooms today, uh, amen, that are homosexual. They have preachers standing in their pulpit. Uh, My friend, it was an abomination to God years ago, and it's still an abomination to God today. Uh, Keep it out there. Don't try to bring it in here. Amen. 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 This world is so messed up. They're so messed up, Sister Playle. I don't think you have any problem realizing knowing you're a lady, Brother Marshall. I think very strongly you realize you're a man. But there are many in this world today, they're walking around, they don't know who they are. And some that are men are trying to say, well, I'm a woman. And some that are women are trying to say, I'm a man. Friend, that isn't an abomination to Almighty God. Never let it creep into the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to stand on the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away. His word shall never pass away. And I said, if it was an abomination 500 years ago, it's an abomination today. Let let a person speak out against popular trends. Let them stand against the tide of popular opinion. Let them seek to apply Christian principles to the popular sins of society. Very quickly, the animosity of so-called friends will be yapping at their heels. The law still remains. If any man will be a friend of the world, he is at enmity with God. I want to be a friend of God. And friend, it's more than a song. I said it's more than a song. I want to be a friend of God. I want to live by the principles of God. And I realize uh, there's a great gulf between the way I think uh, and the way I live uh, in this world. Well, preacher, how does the child of God meet this antagonism? First of all, when you encounter it, count it all joy. Count it a great treasure to be proud of and to be guarded. Amen. Peter and John and the apostles, they left the prison with stripes on their back, counting it great joy. Counting a great joy that they would be persecuted a little bit for the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, friend, uh, I'm not going to move to some other country, some weird country. Uh, amen. I'm glad for the United States of America. I'm glad for the freedom we have. Uh, but listen, slowly but surely, that freedom of religion is starting to be eroded away. Uh, but, friend, if it's ever gone... Uh, I'm still going to stand. Hallelujah. Amen. Where sin doth abound. Grace does much more abound. I'm going to live a life for Jesus Christ. I had a missionary years ago. In Kenai, Brother Dotson, we were talking and he said, Brother Churchill, I've got a number of pastors in the country where I'm a missionary that when they kiss their wife goodbye in the morning, there is no guarantee that they'll be there to kiss her when he walks through the doors that night. Amen. Friend, look at it. (laughs) Look at it. We've got brothers and sisters today that are being beaten. We have brothers and sisters today that have been stoned. We have brothers and sisters today, amen, that have met a tragic end. So I thank God for this freedom. Amen. But God, I'm going to stand if it's taken away. I'm not living for the Lord because of the Constitution uh, of the United States of America. I'm glad for that Constitution. uh, But, oh, there's a greater Constitution. There's a greater law that I'm going to live by. So thank God when the persecution comes your way. I also remember coming to my dad's church, and the doors be smeared with rotten tomatoes and rotten eggs on the on the doorstep. Huh. Oh, we're suffering such great persecution. Oh God! And then meet that antagonism. With sincere love and compassion. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I said a few minutes ago, the stand we take on homosexuality. But I can guarantee you, Pastor Herring, you're more than welcome to open those doors and have them come on in. Amen. Amen. To preach to them, there's a better life. <laughs> there's a better way. Oh, I found a better way. Brighter paths for my feet. My heart and soul complete. I found a better way. And since I found the church, well, I found a place to pray. And there I found the Lord. I found a better way. We found a better way. We found a better way. Don't let it grow old. Don't let it grow stale. Hallelujah. Keep that spring in your step. Keep that shout on your lips. Hallelujah. We found a better way. And it's only going to get better for us. Oh, hallelujah. Don't drop the standard one iota. I said don't drop the standard one inch. Keep that righteous flag waving right at the top of the flagpole. That's where it belongs. Hallelujah. 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 If you begin to bring it down, Where are you going to stop? I'll tell you where. You'll keep lowering it until it's dragging in the mud and the muck of this world's pig pen. Don't try to live by compromise. I said, don't try to live by compromise. All you'll do will be cause loss to the cause. Keep the flag flying where it belongs. Let them realize we're bringing you up to a better way, a better standard. As I said two weeks ago, my mentor, Brother Trout, often said, you can come from anything to this, but you can't go from this to anything. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't say that proudly. Amen. Amen. God touched my heart as a young boy. There have been times in my life that I have not been proud the things I've done, things I've said, but I just thank the God, I just thank the Lord. January seventh, twenty twenty four. I'm in the house of God. I'm in the house of God. Each and every one of you made that choice this morning. Could have gone somewhere else. Could have done something else. I'm going to the house of God. I may be I may be snuffling a little. I may have a headache. Uh-oh. Oh, pastor, I've got a headache. I won't be able to make it today. I've got this wrong. I've got that wrong. Hey, you're coming to the place where the great physician abides. <laughs> if there be any sick among you. Let them call for the elders of the church, uh, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, uh, and the Lord shall raise them up. Have you ever been raised up from a sick bed? In closing, you all heard that. Let me just say a word about our defense. Our defense against the wolves seeking to destroy us. How ironic the Lord said, I'm sending you out as sheep. Among wolves. Sheep have no chance of overcoming wolves. They're defenseless. So the only protection a sheep has is what? Thank you, his shepherd. I said, the only defense we have is our shepherd. Got to have a shepherd, Brother Plale. Yeah. <laughs> our chief shepherd has gone back to glory to prepare some houses. And if it's taken him over 2,000 years, I can't begin to imagine. How true, eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, my. What's it going to be? My, my, my. But he has appointed under-shepherds. And the shepherd, the under-shepherd, he makes sure that his sheep have food, have water, have a safe safe place to rest. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Pastor, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for providing food. Thank you when thirsty souls come in you bring them to the water of life and they drink. Thank you for the safety that you provide for your sheep. He leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Yes, the chief shepherd is always by our side, but I thank God for the under shepherds. Hallelujah. I thank God when the under shepherd kind of steps on my toes. I thank God when the under shepherd takes a salt shaker and pours it into a wound knowing that it will help purify, help heal. Oh, God. But as born again children of God, we not only have the shepherd near us, we have the shepherd in us. And he'll never, we have his promise, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. It will always be, as John later wrote, greater is he that is in me. So don't be perplexed how bad things are getting out there to the point that you're, no. Realize greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. As we stand,
1: I'll give you a mic right back, I promise. If you've attended here in the last three to four weeks, you know how spot on this man was today. I've never ceased to be amazed at. Some people who've been in the church a long time, and yet they're still shallow in how they relate to the Lord. They're looking at silly signs, crazy little events, wild-eyed events that happen, and they think that's God doing this or God telling them that. If you want to know that you know that you know, the signs are going to be the Word of God that we've heard. Not some... Dish falling out of the cabinet at a weird hour of the night. And you thinking, get pastor to pray. There's some spirit in the house. Stop it. Sometimes we got to be the adult in the room, in the spiritual room, right? But, but if you have ever a mind to, you think about it. On the PPC podcast site, or is it Podbean? Is that what it's called? My son taught a Time to Grow class last month on conquering comfort. And he came at it from the angle you addressed it this morning that how the devil gets inside through our comfort. We lose our hunger, we lose our zeal, we look for silly little shallow signs to distract us from the perfect will of God by getting comfortable. Churches start to grow, they get comfortable. They don't pray as much, they don't outreach as much, they don't worship as much. And I'm telling you, as the shepherd of this flock, this man was in the spirit of God today, talking to us. It was an accident or random. He didn't ask me. He didn't ask me what to preach about today. He didn't want to hint about anything. He came bearing the will of God. I know that today. I hope you heard him. I hope you don't just discard it as a good sermon. This was the voice of God talking to us today. It's always
0: just so comforting. You know, you pray, God, am I in your will? <laughs> am I in your will? And then the pastor says something, thank you, Lord. In closing, how many of you have ever been out on a boat, a ship? Raise your hand if you've ever been out on a boat. And as long as that boat is on top of the water. You don't have to be afraid of it sinking. (laughs) As long as it's riding the waves. It might get rough, but as long as it's out there. Riding the waves and you're on top, you're okay. But if that which is on the outside begins to get in the boat then you better start bailing. You better start pumping. And I've known some people that have seen that water getting in and thank God they've grabbed whatever and started bailing it out. But friend, if you get too much of it in, the pumps aren't going to take care of it. Amen. You will go down. I want to stay on top. I want to stay out of the way.